Mary. These are special times. We know that only three of the disciples uh, were allowed to go with our Lord up upon the mountain. And those three were also to find themselves in the agony. This here, this transfiguration, when they're here with our Lord, is really to strengthen them for that time that they would find our Lord uh, in the agony of the garden. It was to encourage them, to let them know that, you know, He is still uh, glorious, even though they are going to see Him suffering. You know, He still has, uh, you know, shares in the glory of His Father, and that, that glory can't be taken from Him, although in His human nature He certainly can suffer. And it's to give us encouragement and to give us strength. Sometimes in our trials, it's good to reflect on the joys that we receive in heaven. That suffering in this life has an end. And if it's united with Christ, many times I try to tell you this, and it's one of the things that nuance that's kind of brought out you know, here in this, in this reading, that if we don't forget that glory that we're to share, it can help us and strengthen us in times of trial. That we think that, you know, to realize how my sufferings are like Christ. And how am I sharing them? Where, where does it fit in with the passion of Christ? And sometimes <clears throat> we realize too that maybe it's not so much in the passion of our Lord, not to say that it's not exactly there, but uh, it might be more in that complementary suffering of Our Lady. That's co-redemptrix. These two sufferings, sometimes it's more like Our Lady, sometimes it's more like Our Lord, and yet there's a mutual suffering. Our Lord shares in the suffering of His Mother in a unique way as she shares and his suffering in a unique way. And so with these, bearing these two types of suffering in, in mind, uh, the one is the one suffering, and then of course you have the compassion of the other uh, in their suffering. And yet both suffer. Both also have a glory to share. And we need to bear that in mind as, as we go through our own lives. One of the things I remember Saint, uh, reading St. Uh, Bonaventure, and it really struck me as we reflect both, you know, we're reflecting a little bit on God's glory, but throw in there also this tie in the reflection too of hell. Uh, many times it's forgotten. There's an eternal reward in our lives. Many times we, we say to ourselves, you know, I'm so happy that so-and-so is now, you know, no longer suffering. They've passed on. They're not suffering anymore. We want to canonize them and stuff them into heaven as quickly as possible. Well, for their sakes, I certainly hope that such is the case because we do them a grave injustice if they find themselves in purgatory because now that they're really suffering in purgatory, we don't think of them anymore. We don't minister to them anymore. You know, while we had them with us, we minister to them. You know, we go to the hospital, we bring them things, we talk to them, we pray for them. Uh, we might do all kinds of things for them while they're in their sickness and suffering. Unfortunately, sometimes we also, in this life, we do find families that sometimes abandon uh, abandon one ones whom they shouldn't abandon. You know, sometimes parents have no children uh, who will take care of them and leave them to themselves to die alone. And this is a great shame and a sorrow in our in our day and age. But at any rate, it's just not everybody does that. But they certainly, insofar as once a loved one has passed on, and it says that we're kind of want to wipe our hands and say, okay, it's all over. It's all over for you, maybe. <laughs> you know, you don't have the anguish of seeing a loved one suffering because you can't see it anymore. There's no tangible aspect of it for you to see. And yet they might very well be suffering in, in purgatory. 
Only once we enter into glory does the suffering end. And this is one of the, the joys that we can reflect on in any suffering that we're enduring in our life. When I finally get to heaven, it's then that I will no longer suffer. And all suffering endured for love of Christ, united to his suffering, has an end. If not in this life, in purgatory. If it's not born for love of God, accepted in union with his sufferings, out of love for him, it's really, in a true sense, from what St. Bonaventure tells us, it's only the beginnings of our sufferings. Oftentimes you have to remind people, you know, if you can't bear this suffering now, in this life, you know, and sometimes people think of, you know, ending their life. They can't, they can't accept the shame or the suffering or the sorrow. And so they want to fly from it. And they think of committing suicide. Thinking that's a way out. That's a way of escape. And the very suffering that they seek to escape is the one they'll embrace for all eternity. If by some special grace, God doesn't give them the grace of, of repentance in their last final act, which, you know, the, an act which is already very contrary to his holy will. You know, we're not the ones to take our own life into our own hands. It's not for us to kill ourselves or to ask somebody else to do so. Only God is the author of, of life and death, and only he has the right to take our life. You know, as we find even uh, the prophets in the Old Testament, those who ask God, you know, Lord, I can't stand it, take my life. Most of all the ones, at least in Scripture, he says no. <laughs> he doesn't take their life. Uh, not when they're asking. You know, even Moses at one point asked the Lord, says, he said, Lord, just, you know, if this is the way you would treat me, take me out of this life. Elijah uh, also asked his life to be taken because he was fleeing from Jezebel and he was in, you know, he, he felt really sorry for himself. <laughs> And the Lord said, you know, he, he told him, you're to go anoint a king, a prophet, uh, and, and I think two kings, king of Israel, king of Judah, and the next prophet to succeed you. Uh, but you're not going to die yet. <laughs> uh, and then we have another one from Tobiah, when uh, young Tobit would go and marry his wife. Uh, she too, his wife had prayed that she might die because she was being uh, harassed and, and given a hard time by Asmodeus, who was killing all her husbands who were trying to marry her because they lost it after her as Moses was given uh, his chance to kill them. And yet she too would not be heeded when she asked for death. Instead she would end up marrying Tobias and actually having a very happy life afterwards. It was a trial. It was a purification. God is the author of life and death. Maybe he will heed sometimes if we're really sorrowful and ask him, says, Lord, I've had enough, please take me. Some people do when they, they do ask and I do think that Lord sometimes honors that request, but it should be asked in accordance with his will, that we're disposed so it might be part of our salvation and win us our salvation. Having said all this, one of the other reflections which St. Bonaventure brings out in the resurrection of the dead, and that is the dead who go unto eternal life, would rise to life eternal, but also the dead who arise and go to eternal death. Those who we oftentimes will say, you know, I am so glad they're no longer suffering. St. Bonaventure says they will rise with the sufferings that they died with to go to hell to suffer for all eternity. Not only with those sufferings, but the suffering. They rise with a body perfected to suffer, if you can say it that way. They're only, be, only begun to suffer in their death, and it's a suffering which will be eternal 
and much worse than it ever was in this life. Because we can't, this life we have a limit. We, it comes to a certain point of suffering and the soul will separate itself from the body. But after the resurrection, when the soul is permanently united, never to be separated again from the body, it will never escape the suffering. And it will suffer far more in the next life than it can ever suffer in this life. And so, you know, it's, it's not a good thing to walk around and say, you know, I'm so glad they're not suffering anymore. It may not, very much may not be the case. You know, if they're in purgatory, it's not. If they're in hell, it's not, they're not done suffering. It's a grave injustice to abandon loved ones. They need our prayers. You know, and even to pray for those you know, in, in doubt or in question of, of their salvation. You pray that God gives them the grace. God is outside of time. You can pray after the fact that Lord will give a person the grace they need for salvation. And one of the things I learned from Padre Pio, and actually not only Padre Pio, but there's other saints that recognize that I can pray post factum. After the person has died, you know, maybe I wasn't able to be there or whatever, you know, wasn't able to minister to them, you know, or didn't know about it till after the fact. You can pray after the fact for the person that they would have obtained those graces they needed for their salvation. May our Lord help us to rejoice in the glories of heaven, that they may be a source of strength for us to be faithful and to serve him unafraid of the sufferings that we will have to endure. Praise be Jesus and Mary.